When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hey, everyone. Welcome back and Happy New Year. I'm back with two awesome shows that I am so excited to recommend. The first one is Obscura, and it's a new listen for me, but I have been really enjoying the show. If you're a fan of my show, True Crime Fan Club, then you for sure are going to love Obscura. It shines a spotlight on the darker things in life. Host Justin Drowns takes a narrative approach to covering true stories like mysteries, murders, missing persons, and more, all in unflinching detail. If you like the show, make sure you check out their premium channel on Himalaya. Simply download the Himalaya app, search Obscura, and enter promo code Obscura for your first month, absolutely free. So... What are you waiting for? Go check out Obscura. I love the show and I know you will too. Now, my second show that I'm recommending is The Apex and the Abyss. And to me, Erica is one of the OGs of true crime podcasting. She's been around forever and I have been a fan of The Apex and the Abyss for a very long time. So I am so excited to recommend the show to you. Each week, Erica dives into each case with the sole purpose of telling the stories of the missing and those we have lost and to try and comprehend the reason behind why these crimes happen in the first place. If you like their show, which I know you will, make sure you check out their premium channel on Himalaya, where you can find all episodes ad-free and 24 hours early, which is awesome. So all you have to do again is download the Himalaya app, search the Apex and the Abyss, and enter promo code ABYSS for your first month absolutely free. Again, what's the holdup? Head to the Himalaya app and download it right now. I would like to welcome to the club our most recent Patreon supporters, Katrina M., Linda C., Delia P., and Diane. Thank you so much for your support in the beginning of this year and at the end of last year. I really, really appreciate it. And if you have an episode request, just send me a message. Don't forget that you can join Delia, Diane, Linda, and Katrina with us on Patreon or head over to Himalaya Plus where you can join our exclusive community. And I really like Himalaya because you can leave a tip for your favorite creator or you can subscribe to their exclusive community. I plan to use a tip feature a lot for new shows that I find this year. To join us on Patreon, head to patreon.com and search for True Crime Fan Club. If you want to join us on Himalaya, head to himalaya.com and search for True Crime Fan Club. I'll also include links in the show notes. Explicit content is found in this episode. So, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the True Crime Fan Club Podcast. I'm your host, Lainey. In many years past, Native American women were told to stuff dirt inside themselves if they were captured by the military. 
in the hopes the men would just kill them and not defile them. A sobering statistic provided by IndianLaw.org states that more than four in five American Indian and Alaska Native women have experienced violence, and more than one in two have experienced sexual violence. I'm afraid that these numbers aren't even accurate. As we know, these crimes often go unreported by the victims and local and national media. Candy Rough Surface is not just another victim. She mattered to a lot of people. Okay, on to the show. On November 26, 2019, the Federal Task Force Operation Lady Justice was made official by executive order from the White House. This task force was created as an interagency task force because of the large numbers of missing and murdered indigenous women in America, specifically Native American and Native Alaskan women. The task force was given nearly $300 million in grants to work on public safety improvements. This money will be used to help solve thousands of disappearances and murders that have flown under the radar of law enforcement for many years. According to the Urban Indian Health Institute, there were 5,712 cases of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls in 2016. However, only 116 of those were logged into the Department of Justice database. 84% of the women in this population have been victims of violence in their lifetime and over 50% of these were victims of sexual violence. The aim of the multi-agency task force is to put an end to the high number of crimes against these women and girls. Unfortunately, it is a matter of too little too late in many cases. There are many unsolved murders, going back many years. The murder of Candace, who often went by candy, rough surface, was unsolved for 16 years when an acrimonious divorce and an angry mother-in-law led investigators straight to the perpetrators. Candy Roughservice was the second youngest of 12 children. She got pregnant and dropped out of school when she was a sophomore in high school. According to some, she was not interested in education anyway, but always held a job. She had a son named Homer Eagle. She grew up in Kennel, South Dakota, a tiny speck of land on the much larger Standing Rock Reservation, where Sitting Bull is buried. Just across the Missouri River, on a bridge that's just shy of a mile long, is Mobridge, a small South Dakota town that is mostly white and has around 5,000 residents. Mobridge gets its name from the state acronym for Missouri, M-O, and it's located on a bridge. It was absolutely white in 1980 while Candy was still alive. On August 1st, 1980, Candy cashed her paycheck in Mobridge, shopped for groceries, and then went home to check on her two-year-old son, Homer. His father was no longer in the picture, and Candy still lived with her mother. Since it was a Friday, Candy got ready to go out with her sister, Clara. Clara had a boyfriend, and so the two split ways, and Candy ended up at Joker's Wild, where 18-year-olds could legally drink weak beer. The next morning, Clara's mother, Alberta, realized Candy had not come home and asked Clara where she was. The family soon panicked after Clara said that she didn't come home with her. Clara drove through Kennel asking people if they had seen her sister. 
she encountered two of Candy's friends, Mary Holybear and Lisa Claymore, who were mysterious and argumentative in their answers. Holy Bear had bruises and scrapes on her legs and didn't want to explain how she got them. Claymore aroused even more suspicion when she said, They said I killed her. Did I? Claymore didn't explain why she felt this way. After three days, when Candy had not shown up and no one had seen her, her family finally went to the police. The police conducted searches while trying to retrace the teen's steps from that night. They ended up at Joker's Wild, but no one remembered seeing her. Over the next few weeks and months, there were false reportings of candy in larger cities, as there often is in missing person cases. But these were all false sightings. Candy's mother, Alberta, kept a nightly vigil after Candy's disappearance, going outside if she heard a dog barking, thinking it was Candy coming home. Unfortunately, on May 19, 1981, in the muddy inlet of the Missouri River, a farmhand, Steve Sheldon, was out checking for stray cattle when he made a disturbing find. He contacted the Walworth County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Jim Spirey arrived on scene to find the decomposing remains of a female, which were exposed by the receding waters of the river. After an autopsy was done, they found that she had been severely beaten, shot five times, and raped. There was very little to go on in the investigation. No one claimed to have seen her the night she died. And after nine months of exposure to the elements, there was not a lot of trace evidence to be collected for examination. A teen, Nick Schur, came forward after Candy's body was found, claiming to have seen a man acting strangely in the area two days after she went missing. But nothing ever came of this. There is no information to determine if this was even investigated or if there was enough information to investigate. The family did what it could to keep the case alive in hopes that Candy's killer or killers could be found, but the case grew colder each year. Her name was soon forgotten among the white population of Mowbridge and replaced with other news. To her family, this felt like Candy dying a second time. Sadly, this is not uncommon in many cases, particularly when indigenous or other minority women are involved. Initially, there is a rush of press information, but the press coverage dissipates as soon as the next big story is released. Unfortunately, the Rough Surface family continued to experience more tragedies throughout the years. In 1986, her father, Daniel Rough Surface, was brutally raped and murdered by his own nephew, Donald Rough Surface. Daniel was discovered on October 25th at 3 a.m. under an abandoned grain elevator. He was nude, bloody, badly beaten, and partially burned. His wallet, knife, and key to his post office box were found in his nephew's pocket. Donald was asleep beside Daniel and was covered in blood. The police had been led to the grain elevator by Mike Vermillion, a third man who had been drinking with the two members of the Rough Surface family earlier that evening. Mike had gone to sleep before the two of them, and when he woke up to see Daniel Rough Surface lifeless and covered in blood, he went to the police immediately. Donald was arrested, tried, then on June 3, 1987, found guilty of murder in the first degree, rape in the first degree, and robbery in the first degree. 
He received life in prison for the murder charge and 15 years each for the other two charges. To my knowledge, there's no explanation of why he attacked his uncle. Another event that occurred that had major complications for the town was in 1988. The older twin brothers of Nick Schur, Bill, and Jim went to the 1988 Olympics in Seoul. Bill brought home a bronze medal and Jim won seventh place. Their names soon shared a spot on the sports arena with a well-known Native American artist, Oscar Howe, and was named the Cher Howe Arena. However, in the early 1990s, things in Mobridge quieted down. In fact, it wasn't even in Mobridge where a break in the case occurred. It was in a sweetly named logging town in Wisconsin where the break in the candy rough surface case finally happened. In the fall of 1995, James Stroh was going through a divorce with his wife, Sandy. As you may know, there is typically one person that a person going through a divorce confides in. Sandy, in her divorce, sought her mother's advice and ear. Sandy typically leaned on her mother through difficult times, and this was no different. However, the consequences to James were different than just a mother-in-law being rude to him and supporting her daughter through a divorce. Before James and Sandy had been married, he had loved her enough to tell her his deepest, darkest secret. How one summer, when he was just 15, he and his cousin had killed a girl. Sandy protected her husband while they were married, but when their divorce was imminent, she told her mother about the murder. When Sandy told her mother this, the mother-in-law called the police and soon, the Wisconsin authorities had him in custody. It's clear that Sandy's mother was acting out of spite, but I can overlook that knowing she ultimately did the right thing. I'm going to pause the case right here so you can hear a word from our sponsors. Okay, so I have a scenario for you. Say I give you a task to pick out a wine you're going to love, but there's a catch. It has to be one you haven't tried before. So where would you start? Let me introduce you to Wink. That's W-I-N-C. Wink makes it easy to discover great wine because Wink's wine experts select wines matched to your taste, personalized just for you, shipped right to your door and starting at just $13 a bottle. There's nothing like coming home to a box of delicious Wink wine. And trust me, I know. It's selected just for you and it's the best day of your month. All you have to do is just fill out Wink's palate profile quiz. You answer simple questions like, how do you take your coffee? And how do you feel about blueberries? Then Wink sends wines curated to your taste. The more wines you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections are. Each month, there are new delicious wines. One of my new favorite wines is the 2018 Lost Poet Red Blend. It is so delicious and a definite crowd pleaser. There are no membership fees. You skip any month, cancel any time. Shipping is covered, and if you don't like a bottle they send you, they'll replace it with a bottle you'll love. No questions asked. Discover great wine today. Go to trywink.com slash truecrimefanclub, and you'll get $20 off your first shipment. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash truecrimefanclub for $20 off. Trywink.com slash truecrimefanclub. The link will be in the show notes. 
Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. La cual pudiera llevarme al hospital. Así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente. Una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. Exhorting a promise for a lesser sentence, James said he would tell everything, all about how his older cousin, Nick Schur, had masterminded the whole thing that night. As you may recall, Nick was the one who said there was a strange man hanging around Candy the night she was murdered. James said that on the night Candy had disappeared, they had run into her at the Joker's Wild. They had started talking, and according to him, she was looking for some action. She accompanied several teenage boys to a party at a trailer outside of town, hosted by Steve Sheldon, the farmhand who would later find her body. The teens were drinking, but one of the boys said something that offended Candy and she wanted to leave. Nick and James had offered to take her home, but then things quickly went south. Candy was still upset about the events at the party and tipsy from drinking. She told them that she knew some boys who would beat them up and then told Nick she knew his name and that she knew James was his cousin. She hit James and then hit Nick. Nick got mad and stopped the truck. He told James, we're going to do her. He grabbed Candy out of the truck and then started hitting her, knocking her down. The two boys raped Candy, although their stories are different about who was first and who was in charge. After both of them had raped her, Nick yelled for James to bring him his gun. Nick shot a crying candy in the head and chest and passed the rifle to James. James said he thought he shot her but wasn't sure if it actually hit her or not. In his confession, James said that they chained Candy's naked body to the back of the pickup and dragged her to the Missouri River so as not to get blood all over the truck. Nick's attorney, Reed Rasmussen, would later say that that was not true. He claimed that Nick helped load the body up, but they did not chain it to the back of the pickup. When Nick was arrested, he was held on a $200,000 bond. He managed to raise enough money so that he was eventually released. On May 7, 1996, the day his trial was set to begin, Nick Schur took a plea agreement for first-degree manslaughter. The prosecutors met with Candy's family to ensure this was suitable for them, and they were relieved that they would not be subjected to a lengthy trial that could potentially be racist. The weekend before the trial was slated to begin, a convoy for Candace was held to raise awareness for her murder and ensure she received justice. It proceeded along U.S. Highway 12 in Mobridge, and a riderless horse represented Candy. 
There were several hundred participants, including a handful of white residents from Mobridge, who were there because they feared a larger racial divide between the residents of Mobridge and members of the adjacent reservation. James Stroh received 15 years as part of his agreement for a lesser sentence. He was released from prison in 2004. Nick Scher received a 100-year sentence for his participation in the rape and murder of Candy Rough Surface. He was sentenced on May 23, 1996. Candy's family was happy that he would have to serve at least 20 years before he would be eligible for parole. However, less than a year after his initial sentencing, Nick requested a hearing for leniency on his sentencing. The judge denied this, but did remove the stipulation that when he first became eligible for parole in 2008, he could not request it. The state had no case here, but the family was allowed to speak. One of Candy's sisters, Elaine, asked Nick if he could give Candy back to their family. When he said no, then she replied that he needed to stay where he was. Nick said prison had changed him. He had finished high school, he was working seven days a week, and he was a reformed man. But the family of Candy Rough Service maintained that that was at least something he had a chance to do. He'd taken those chances away from their loved one. Nick Schur was granted parole in April 2019 and was held until a parole plan could be put in place. Homer Rough Surface, Candy's son, was not aware that Nick had been approved for parole until he was already out on parole. Candy's mother passed away in 2009. She was survived by eight children and a multitude of grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Candace is remembered for always hugging her sisters and calling them sister instead of by their name. Friends of the family remember her as sweet, kind, gentle, petite, someone who loved playing guitar, riding horses, and making jewelry. She loved people so much, she kept a diary of all the people who came to visit them in Kennel. Perhaps Operation Lady Justice can help prevent horrific crimes such as this in the future or bring the perpetrators to justice more quickly. Or maybe it can finally show indigenous women and girls of America that the criminal justice system actually gives a damn about them. However we view it, Operation Lady Justice is just the first step in solving the thousands of cases that need to be solved. And I encourage you listeners to do some research into the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and see how truly captivating these stories are. They must be shared, and we must do a better job of delivering justice to all victims of crime. Okay, fan club members, as I conclude this episode, my one question to you is, how will you sleep tonight? Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help the show out. You can find me on most social media platforms, Twitter at TCFCPod, Facebook.com slash TCFCPodcast, Instagram, TCFC underscore podcast, and of course, our website is TrueCrimeFanClub.com. Got an episode request? Send us an email tcfcpod at gmail.com. This episode was researched and written by Susie St. John. Producer for the show and custom creator of the music you hear is Nico at We Talk of Dreams. 
Check him out on Twitter at WeTalkOfDreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Content editing was provided by Brittany Martinez. I'm your host, Lainey. When something happens to your car, you might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.